0: In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, And if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack save the world.
1: We have a lovable space that needs your face and your ears. Listening friends, thank you for showing up again. We're thrilled that you do and we like showing up too. So thanks for being here with us on yet another episode. Of Kenyatta and Jack save the world. I'm Kenyatta. That gentleman is Jack, and we have the pleasure of having a guest with us on today's episode. We shall introduce you to her shortly. But we're going to go ahead and get into WTFs promptly. So,
0: yes, yes, yes we are. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to you know. Once again, it was not a, a slow week for WTFs.
1: No, never, ever. Uh so here's mine. All right. First here's a here's a little um a little context. And I I've, I've heard of her previously, but um she's a Texas Democrat representative by the name of Jasmine Crockett. She represents Texas's 30th congressional district and she was just elected uh January of this year. She had some things to say today at the GOP's attempt to have an impeachment hearing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that. Just, um,
1: just saying that makes me giggle.
0: <laughs> that that did not go well for for them today.
1: Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. And she had a little something something to to say about it. So I'm going to share that with y'all.
2: All right.
3: Let me tell you something. I don't want to talk about what y'all want to act like is some big mystery because we keep sitting here and Professor Gerhardt, just just to be clear, as my colleagues have even tried to provide evidence, which they're not the ones to provide evidence, have you ever heard them say if since we've been sitting here for I don't know how long?
0: Yes, um, I've been taking a tally.
3: Oh, okay. Can you show Um, us? Can you tell us what the tally is? More
0: than 35 times, the Republican witnesses and Republican members of the committee have used the word
2: if.
3: Thank you so much Um, for that. Because honestly, if they would continue to say if or Hunter and we were playing a drinking game, I would be drunk by now. Because I promise you, they have not talked about the subject of this, which would be the president. But let me tell you something that was so disturbing as I walked in to this chamber today. As I prepared, I said, what is the crime? Because when you're talking about impeachment, you're talking about high crimes or misdemeanors. And I I can't seem to find the crime. And honestly, no one has testified of what crime they believe the President of the United States has committed. But when we start talking about things that look like evidence, they want to act like they're blind. They don't know what this is. These are our national secrets, looks like in the shitter to me. This looks like more evidence of our national secrets, say on a stage at Mar-a-Lago. So,
1: yeah, she had that to share. And she is my new current hero or shiro, if you will. Um, <laughs> and what she was holding up listening friends because y'all don't see anything were pictures of, as everybody's actually seen all over the country, uh, boxes and boxes of classified documents that the former president had in his bathroom. And in his, um, what was it? The, the stage, little auditorium or whatever, and up and down there in Mar a Lago. So,
0: my, have, the stage in my house, that's where I keep all of my vital documents.
1: I also keep mine in, in the bathroom, in the second bathroom, right? In the tub. <laughs> yeah.
0: In well, itself. I mean, <laughs> you're not using it most of the time. So,
1: yeah, because I have a, <laughs> a bigger bathroom I use. So, the little one, yeah, that's where I keep my, my classifieds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, who doesn't do that?
1: And I love that she referred to it as the shitter. I yes. haven't heard I haven't heard that expression in quite a while. The shitter, but I I dig her, and this is like this is not the first clip that I've seen, you know, of her saying what needs to be said where it needs to be said. And to me, and I read I read this somewhere else too that this garbage is nothing but the GOP's attempt to distract us from what the Donald has going on. And not just not just the trials, but the fact that the man actually said that he ran against both Obama and Bush.
0: Yeah. And not even the right Bush. It was Jeb. Or I mean,
1: yeah, Jeb Bush.
0: Yeah. But he was confusing Jeb with starting um, the Iraq war is what I meant to say. So right. But he
1: he didn't run against either of those men. Right. Oh, I know. (laughs) And people have the nerve to call Biden cognitively challenged.
0: Yeah. And you yeah. got this guy? He also said Biden was gonna get us into World War II.
1: I'm sure hope they've they've upgraded those bayonets because we need all the help we can get on the battlefield.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure our F-22s are gonna have a pretty difficult time with those prop driven propellered aircraft of the Germans and Japanese. Mm-hmm.
1: Indeed. Indeed. So yeah, that was that was some observations on today's quote impeachment hearing they have nothing they have nothing it's a bunch of well if he did this then this might happen and if that even even their witnesses were like yeah they got nothing they got nothing so the
0: point of the impeachment inquiry is that the crime has already been committed you don't have one and then find the crime
1: yeah that's exactly what they were doing was fishing
0: yeah and they didn't even catch a minnow
1: That's the kind of tactics you use when you think your partner's cheating on you, but you're not quite sure. That's true. That's what this is. (laughs) And they're not good at it.
0: (laughs) Very, very true. Very, very, very true.
1: That is what I have today.
0: All righty. Well, my WTF this week is actually, I just wanted something positive uh, this week after the last several weeks of... There not being anything positive, it felt like. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago when um, the uh, the NASA spacecraft Osiris Rex was able to get the samples from the asteroid BNU?
1: I don't know that I heard that specifically, but.
0: Well, okay. But, but see, I didn't. <laughs> All right. Well, two years ago, they had a satellite that went to this asteroid. It went down. Stuck basically a vacuum on the asteroid and it sucked up all this material from this asteroid. And then it flew back off the asteroid and then it started coming back to Earth. And then it released this uh, capsule that was designed to come back to Earth and land in the desert in Utah. And so the spacecraft has traveled over one billion miles. And on Saturday, all of the asteroid samples returned to Earth and the um the probe landed perfectly everything worked out there was no damage and um earlier this week they were able to you know obviously they have it in a you know safe room contained all of that junk you know the the glass thing where they have their gloves in there their hands in the gloves to do all that you know cuz you want to make sure there's no i guess any poisons or anything in there um but they opened that up on tuesday To get the first uh, samples and when they did the mission they were hoping that they would get like maybe a couple of ounces and they ended up getting so much that they had to wiggle the space probe because the door wouldn't shut Uh (laughs) so it it was an incredibly um, successful mission and it's really cool because these samples are basically untouched from the beginning of the solar system you know and they're gonna be able to get all sorts of great information and from that. And I'm looking forward to finding out what they what they discover from these uh these asteroid bits that we now have, more than they thought we were gonna get.
1: That's interesting. That is very interesting. That calls to mind this sci-fi horror movie that I enjoy very much that so I watched again a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's why it's in the thing. <laughs>
1: yes, and, and they had thing. one of those too, and then it went bad. So <laughs> I won't <We'll>, spoil it.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll hope that doesn't happen. I
1: hope not. But that's <laughs> that would be very interesting to see how how their their uh, examinations of that go. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And the cool thing about that also was they ended up with enough leftover fuel in the the actual space probe. And it's still in good enough working order that they sent it to, at the angle it was going, it was like, oh, hey, there's this other asteroid this way. We'll just send you to it. And so it's heading to a second asteroid that wasn't actually part of the original mission. So even more science is going to come. And that's why it's it's a what the fuck in a what the fuck, that's cool, kind of way.
1: Fair. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we can't always have negative WTS. Sometimes we got to throw in something. You something act nice. like I
1: do this all the time. What are you saying?
0: <laughs> I would say you actually probably have the more positive ones than I do mm. in the grand scheme of things. Oh, well, maybe it's maybe it's a tie.
1: It may it may be. Yeah, we may be running even at this point. So but that is a good one, though. It is. So
0: <laughs> in the words of Arsenio Hall, there's just so many things that make you go,
2: hmm. okay
0: (laughs) right which of course because of our particular generation and something that Kenyatta and I have talked about in the past then reminds me of anytime I think of Arsenio Hall reminds me of In Living Color and the ultimate parody of the Arsenio Hall show the Arsenio Beckman show
1: Oh, have mercy. I hate that skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of Gen X, if I may, I read something the other day that was interesting, that apparently Gen Xers are the, the first generation to be tech savvy, but not tech dependent.
0: That makes sense.
1: I was like, okay, because literally we know how to follow GPS, bring up Google Maps. But if we have to, we can bust out the road atlas and read that <laughs> Rand McNally.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Be
0: like,
1: exit 234.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we could do the in-between of putting the Map uh, quest. directions of MapQuest and Map have quest. it printed out.
4: <laughs> MapQuest still exists, guys. It's it does. <laughs> it does. I was
1: thrilled to hear that. So we can we can do all that and not, and not break a sweat. Give a give one of our kids or some twenty year old a road uh, uh, a road atlas. They'll be like, huh? Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. Yeah, that is awesome. true. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that voice you guys heard a second ago talking about how MapQuest still exists is today's guest, Amy Taylor, and we brought her on because, as if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know. The Kenyatta and I, as part of saving the world, like to teach people various things that, about what you may not know, and that is why Amy is here. Amy is a real estate agent, and she had apparently her best week ever last week, and perhaps she can hit on that. And she is going to take us through the entire process of buying a house. If you have never bought a house before and you have questions on how it works, we have brought Amy in. And she's going to. When this episode is over, you will be able to take your state's real estate test and pass it with one hundred percent (laughs) certainty. That part may not be true, but
1: (laughs) can I say, huh? What? What?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Amy, welcome, welcome. Say hi. (laughs) Hi,
4: guys. Thanks for having me. Of
0: course. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Why don't you, real quick, uh, tell us how you? Got into being uh, you know, a real estate agent. How long you've done it, and then we can you can tell us about your kick-ass week, and then we can go into the whole process.
4: Okay, so um, how I got into real estate. <laughs> There's some personal backstory on that one, but. I'll save you the drama. Um, but basically, okay. when I moved back home, when I came back home from Tulsa, um, as a newly single mother, I was looking for a new career and we had bought and sold several houses and we had some investment properties that we had owned in Tulsa. And it just seemed like a pretty, a pretty natural move for me to leave the corporate world as a single mom, um, and have a little more control over my time, which, I don't think I knew quite enough about real estate when I thought I was going to have more control of my time. <laughs> I'm not sure that's really true, but um, so that's when I started real estate. So I've been selling. I actually, before this podcast, I had to go back and count to see because I wasn't really sure, but I've been doing it eight years now, which was actually longer than I thought. I probably would have told you five or six. So I've been selling for eight years now and um I I did so... I know that everyone hears a lot about real estate in the news and um, some of it's real and some of it's not. Real estate is so local that it's really hard to listen to the national news and to apply that to what's happening here in Oklahoma. Um, but it has not been my best year. I will say the last two years have been busier, but I did last week have my best week ever um, closed on five homes in one week, which was pretty spectacular. Um, I'm usually pretty excited to close on five in one month. So especially September, we think of it as when we're kind of getting slower into the fall. So it was it was a huge week. It was some it was some great families with some great stories. There's all kinds of emotional things attached to it also. Um, but yeah, so coming off a huge week and now ready to kind of set things up and get ready for this fall and to go into the winter strong.
1: Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Congrats. Very nice. Yeah, I hope those
0: are some some really good commission checks.
4: <laughs> they vary, right?
0: Well, yeah, they, obviously
4: we sell. Yeah, I I sell all kinds of homes. Like honestly, I closed on some land today that was a forty five thousand dollars piece of land. You know, and we we do we sell it all for all incomes, and it just depends on what people need. You know, right? It's it's not really one of our code of ethics, but I, I'm not trying to compare myself to an attorney. Don't get me wrong, but I think that everyone deserves representation when they buy a house or buy land. I just like attorneys, you know, everybody deserves representation if they've been accused of a crime. I do have that same belief um when it comes to someone that's trying to buy a house. If you want to buy a house, I'm committed to figuring it out with you and to get you through the steps you need to get through to get you there.
1: Nice. I, awesome. I, I, I agree because not that I've looked into it too much, but um the process of of buying a house is like seems to be intimidating to me. So, and and I watched my mom go through it too. Um, and that was a you know when after her and my, and my father separated, so she's buying a house for the first time on her own. She had a really good real estate agent who was like you said, he guided her through everything. She didn't like this house. Okay, look at another one. I didn't like this one. Go look at just on and on and on. And he was like, whatever you need to do, we'll do and she's good where she's at. So I, I like the idea of having uh, someone like you that stays with, with your client every single step of the way until they close and sign the papers and get the keys. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And I mean, it's important. I mean, obviously, I mean, we all deserve to have a home, right? Everyone needs a place to live. And I think mm-hmm. that everyone deserves a safe place that feels comfortable. You know, they're, they're, there's safe space. Everyone needs that. And it's such a, it's such a financial step too, that it is a lot, like you said, Kineta, but um, if you can get through all of those steps, there's just, there's some financial independence that comes with it too. And that's just kind of one of my things is to set you up. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I think it's important and I want everybody to have that chance. I really do. Nice. Nice.
0: So do you find um, that you know websites like Zillow or Redfin or Realtor.com, um, has that made, made it easier for you? Or has it just added like an extra layer of difficulty? I don't know about difficulty. You know what I mean? Just like an extra sort of layer of the steps that you would have to take otherwise.
4: So I can tell you that a lot of people think that the The toughest thing that I do is to find you the right house. And I will tell you, that's actually probably a very, very small percentage of what I consider like really the hardest part. Um, So those sites have definitely helped. They've opened up a lot of information to the consumer and um, you can get to it 24 hours a day, which used to real estate agents couldn't even get to the information 24 hours a day. Right. So um, I think they've been huge and they're extremely helpful providing the homes and giving you that information at your fingertips. But um, my caveat to that is um, I think there's a lot of misinformation on them too. And when they explain to you, you know, like when they give you their mortgage calculators, for instance, um, most of those mortgage calculators show you what just your principal and interest payment is. They don't take into account your escrow and um, taxes and stuff. So, I find that I also when I first get a client that has spent a lot of time on those sites, I do have to spend a lot of time kind of deprogramming them um, (laughs) and giving them some better information on kind of how how that side works. So yes and no, there's definitely a place for them. And um, I'm glad we have them, honestly. Um, But I would not say that they replace an agent or that they have necessarily all of the best information.
0: Right, right. Mm, My one like sort of complaint, and this may be dumb, I wish that people would put like a a floor plan of the house on there because, you know, it's the pictures and you go through and I'm like, it would kind of be nice to know the layout because you can sometimes guess, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you can't. On some houses, it's just, you know, there's an addition, something's weird or whatever. And I'm like, it would be so nice if there was just a blueprint, or, you know, floor plan.
4: Mm -hmm. So, Jack, you are looking into the future here um, because you just brought up a huge point. And um, there are probably about five listing agents in the metro area that are doing those right now. Mm. I am one of them. Um, I knew I liked you. (laughs) I have an extremely tech savvy 17 year old that does a lot of my... (laughs) of my camera work for me. So we actually, there's cameras now, we've bought one that we can go through. Um, they do a 3D floor plan so you can go through and you can scroll the rooms where you can look at the ceilings and the floors and look at it all um, in your time and kind of dig into the places that you want. But it also at the end, it takes all of that information and I'm not going to go into the science of it, probably because I can't tell you all of it, but <laughs> it puts it all together and it pulls back out a floor plan for you. And most of mine are coming out within about two to three percent off in square footage total of what the actual house is. So you get room dimensions, you get the layout um, and, and it is huge. I think it's a Total, total game changer. So the whole market's not there yet, but there's some of us doing it. And it will be, I think it'll probably be mainstream in the next few years.
2: I should hope so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
4: Because you're right. That's a, it's a huge, um, it, it is big. And like, and for me right now, especially with one of my clients, I found that, you know, the backyard is a big deal. Sometimes the side yard with access and what you're trying to do and a lot of that we really can't see until we get to a house. And so I think all of that's going to kind of we're going to be getting dimensions and you're going to be able to see it in a different in a different way soon.
1: Because I always thought it was interesting how you will have like 62 pictures of the house and you will get those angles in the bedrooms that makes it look like it's, you know, 20 by 25 feet. And then you go look at the house and it's like a closet. You're like, yeah. whoa, where's the space? <laughs> That's yeah. my whole thing. I know they do that for a reason, but it feels so misleading to me to think that you've got all this space and then you're like, you could you have to step out to turn around. Like for somebody I know. else to yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> So the wide angle lens, there are friends in some ways, right? Like there'd be no way that we could get pictures of bathrooms and some of our kitchens and some other stuff if we didn't have them. So mm-hmm. they are needed. But you are so right. There are some of those angles that are so distorted. And, and again, you can't really tell... Sometimes you can't even really tell the shape of the room, right? Yeah. Is it square? Yeah. Is it rectangle? Is it oblong? You know. Yeah. So I, I definitely hear you, and there's plenty we walk into that we're like, "Oh, the pictures were lo- way better than this mm-hmm. house." We we get surprised. <laughs> even as an agent, sometimes I'm surprised walking in.
2: The Lord. All right.
0: Well, let's let's sort of start on the 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 lesson part. Sam, I'm, I'm on Zillow. I'm like, wow, I really like that house. And then I'm scrolling and because I have seen you on there before, and it's like, oh, hey, there's the real estate agent. And then I click to contact you and everything. I set up the time to go and view the house. Let's from there, when we, you know, it's kind of take us through the process of, okay, we go through, like the house. Maybe I want to put in the offer. I don't, you know, let's sort of go from that point of meeting at the house and how the various steps that would go from there.
4: Okay. So I'm actually going to back you up one.
0: Or do that. No, No, that's fine. No, that's fine. Hey.
4: (laughs) Um, So I am a big proponent, especially right now with the changing interest rates and the kind of where numbers are right now. I really encourage it. If you just called me, Jack, today and said, I think I want to buy a house. The first thing that I would tell you is let's find you a good lender and let's call and let's talk about getting pre-approved. And the reason I want you to do that. First, there's some misconceptions that a lender helps you with that it's, I think it's easier in some ways than you think. And then there's also some things that are going to be surprises. And so I like when we talk about the numbers first. Um, you know, like if I asked you, what is the down payment needed to buy a home? What would you tell me?
0: I'm a veteran. I don't need one because I'm going to get a Ah,
4: good answer. Whatever. <laughs> 10%, isn't it? 10%. Yeah. So there are products that it can be as high as 10%, but now -hmm. we have government backed products that you can get into an FHA loan at three and a half percent. Sometimes we can do a conventional at three percent. And there's even some different rural development. VA obviously is a huge one, but there's other ones that we can get you in at zero percent down payment. Now you'll still have closing costs, Mm -hmm. um, but the down payment is not near as big of a struggle as it used to be. We've got a lot of things that can help with that. Oh, wow. So, I'd like for you to understand what the down payment's gonna be and what your closing costs are gonna be. Um, In other markets, we could get you closing costs paid for by the seller. This market is still a really strong seller's market. So that's Mm -hmm. a little tougher right now. I'm not saying it's a no and a never. I'm just saying it's less often um, Mm -hmm. in this market, which may be shifting, right? With the higher rates, we may be moving into a more balanced market soon. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to know the closing costs. We wanted you to know how much it's going to cost you to get into the house. And then we also want you to know what that payment is. So let's say when you're looking, like, I just, I don't know how you pick a house. You see a house you really like that's, let's say it's $200,000. Well, until we know what that payment's going to be, you don't know if that really fits into your budget, right? You may qualify for $400,000, but you don't, you may not want that payment. So when we start with the lender, I feel like we take all the guesswork out for you. And then the consumer, the buyer is just ready to go and they're more informed, Um, And then at that point, then I say, let's go buy a house. Let's go look. That's the fun part. The shopping for a house is the fun part.
1: Hmm. That makes sense, though. It's sort of like when you're thinking about buying a car, you get pre-approved. Like this is what I, you know, this is what I can afford. This is what I want to do. Find me something that fits. Yeah. So it's kind of like empowering the buyer, I guess, in a way.
4: Yeah. And, and you do. You know exactly what you're up against. Um, and and that way we can make the decision. Do you need closing costs? Because if you do, we may have to look at different houses than if you don't need closing costs. You know, there's ways we can work with the situation. But if when we have all that information up front, it definitely makes it easier. And I just feel it, it gets rid of some of the stress and the guesswork. And, it, and I think it just puts the buyer in the driver's seat. It gives yeah. you the control and the power back.
1: Yeah.
2: Right,
4: that's right. good.
1: And you actually answered my question about the interest rates because I just heard that on the news about the interest rates going up and how, and the way the news put it, it's going to make it tougher for buyers in an already almost unattainable housing market. I'm like, I have to rent forever, but <laughs> like, I know, I know how they like to the hype stuff, but you already yeah. answered it. So that seems more realistic that it'll, it'll bounce it out better as opposed to no one will ever be able to afford a house ever again, or some such thing.
0: Right. I do know here in Oklahoma, uh, namely because of my job, I process them. Um, that OFA, which I believe is Oklahoma Housing Financial Authority. Yes. I never actually go for what it means. I do. It's just OFA at work. Um, but we process that they go through, and they do give down payment assistance if you. Uh, I believe you have your credit has to be six hundred and forty. And you can go through and get uh, down payment assistance from them. And I I don't know if it varies on city or the cost of the house or whatever, but, you know, I would imagine most states have something similar.
4: Yeah. And there are several qualifiers for OFA. Like I think if you're a fireman or police officer, there's a different program. There's a different program for teachers. Um, There's a lot of different ways that OFA works with you. Um, And OFA is a solid program, um, but I have to tell you, like Midwest city has a grant program, Mm -hmm. Um, there's a couple of other grant programs through Oklahoma city that help. Now there's usually some pretty strict income limits, um, when you're getting the grants like that, but you know, OFA is an assistance program, but the grant programs, as long as you live in the house, most of them are five years. They're all a little different. Don't quote me, but they're about five years. If you live in the house that long, then you're free and clear. And that money just became yours. Um, so, you know, there, there are the requirements that you have to meet and and the house also has to meet requirements, which is usually the hardest part with the grant programs is making sure that the house qualifies for the, um, the same loan that the, the grant is, that the person does, the buyer does. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, I mean, there really is a lot of assistance out there and there's been more programs approved. There's been more money approved in the state of Oklahoma in the last couple of months and, they're really doing a lot trying to keep housing affordable um, because we, we do. We need, you know, our first time homebuyers, like, again, I think everyone deserves to own a house. And so I'm glad that they're doing things, helping making that a reality because prices have gone up. And with rates up, it does make it tougher. It doesn't make it impossible.
1: That's yeah. reassuring. That That's reassuring. It is. One day, one day, the cats will have more space. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One day so- Higgins will have a doggy door.
4: <laughs> would he use it?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, he would.
1: No, I'm the saying-
4: problem
0: is the problem is people would be able to use it as well. Yeah. I was going to
4: say Higgins' doggy door would be more like a half door, like a door. Like- yeah, exactly a door. <laughs> like actually
1: half of the door, like a big old hinge swing of half the door. <laughs>
0: I didn't say it would be a small door.
1: <laughs> you, no, you did not. It's true. You did not. You did not. So we're pre-approved and we've done our house shopping and we found a house and we're like, this is my forever home. What happens then?
4: Yeah. Um, so then we get down to the nitty gritty, right? Um. There's a lot of different terms that go into your offer besides just price. So in um, and- We have um, what we call earnest money, which is basically like a deposit, but we can, it's in a, in contract lingo, it's called consideration. So for a contract to be accepted, there's some kind of financial, not always cash and real estate mostly, but um, some kind of financial consideration. So that's your earnest money. Mm-hmm. And basically the buyer puts down earnest money and says that I'm going to follow all the terms of the contract. And if I bust the contract outside of my purview, outside of what I can and can't do within this contract, then the seller gets to keep that earnest money. Um, the contracts in Oklahoma are very much written in the favor of the buyer, very much written in the favor of the buyer. So very seldom. I mean, you really have to do something pretty crazy to lose your earnest money. And it can happen, but you, if you have a good agent, you're going to stay within those lines. You're not going to worry about that. Um, But we have, you know, when we're going to close. Typically, it takes about 30 to 35 days to close on a house right now um, between getting all of your financing ready. So even though you're pre-approved, it takes a while to get all of the loan steps processed. There's the appraisal that happens in the middle. Um, We have title work that happens in Oklahoma. Um, We're an abstract state. So without digging too far into that, basically there's a little book on everyone's property um, that everyone that's owned that property since statehood. So, you know, it kind of gets getting broken down into smaller pieces, um, but we go back through and we make sure that nobody else has any claim to that property. So when you close, you know, that it's yours. Um, so that's the title work that happens. So that whole process in there is about 35 days. Now you as the buyer, which you're going to be working on in the first 10 days after we sign a contract and it gets accepted by the seller, then we're going to have inspections. So you get to pick your inspection companies. Um, the standard is to do a home inspection and a termite inspection.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And um, some loans require a termite inspection. Um, if the h- property happens to have well and septic, then you'll also probably be required to do inspections for those. But the other inspections are kind of at the buyer's choice. And then we have the ones that we recommend. Different properties maybe need different inspections. And we can you know take those on a case by case but you do inspections and then you get to decide, were there any things that came up in those inspections that A, you want fixed? So was there anything wrong with the major systems of the house, the heat and air, the plumbing, the electrical roof and foundation? Those are kind of the big ones we look at. And then you get to pick the repairs that you want and it's a second negotiation, but then we're gonna ask the seller um, for those repairs to be completed before we close for you. Um, And then once we get through the inspection period, Then we also have the appraisal. I kind of mentioned it, but your lender actually hires an appraiser to go to the property. And they're really looking for two things. It depends on your loan type, right? But they want to make sure the value's there. So your lender says, if you're going to pay $230,000 for this house, they want an appraiser to tell you that that house is worth that value. Because at the end of the day, they're on the hook for it if you don't pay. And then the other thing, again, depends on loan type, is they're looking to make sure the house qualifies for the loan also. So I think that's something that we miss a lot is your house qualifies for the loan, kind of like the buyer does. So there's some minimum standards that we're looking for in the home. Um, And so then once we get through those two big pieces for the buyer um, and there's other stuff that happens, you're going to find homeowners insurance and, you know, there's, there's some more steps in there, but pretty much those are your big ones. And then we get to the closing table. And then once we go into closing, um, once you sign on the dotted line and, There's a lot of dotted lines, I'll warn you. It usually (laughs) takes about 30, 45 minutes for the buyer to sign their documents, (laughs) depending on how many questions you ask, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
4: Um, But after that, when you walk away from the closing table, you bring your check in or you wire your money. And that day you sign and you walk out of there with the keys and a new house.
0: And then the fun part of moving in takes place.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I hate moving anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Moving sucks. (laughs) It does, but that, how do I put it? Like, I like the way that sounds, but I don't know how far off I am from owning a home. But like I said, I've seen, you know, not just my mom, but I've had some friends that have gone through it in the last couple of years. And like, most of what I hear is like, oh my God, it's a pain. Oh my God, it's this. Like one of my friends, um, part of, you know, her, how much she qualified for, she put towards, renovations so they did a, you know the end result was really nice but all what she went through to get stuff done like every day she would come into work do you know what they told me do you know my contractor do you know what they did I'm like you sure you want this house yes <laughs> <laughs> but she did did she put what we would call like a rehab loan I'm not Is sure what- ex- I'm not sure exactly what it was um I'm trying to think because. I I don't know what condition the house was in when she got it, cause where I live at, um, a lot of these houses were built forties, fifties, early, yeah. early in the in the twentieth century, in the nineteen hundreds, the early half. So they're old houses. So a lot of them are small. They still have like the original like floors and cabinets, stuff like that. Like even my nice. mom's house got completely gutted when she got hers. So I'm not sure what kind of, what kind of loan she had, but even for all the fussing that she did, you know, as they were remodeling it, you know, she was still happy with it. Yeah. When she she got there, (laughs) like she came in one day saying they're trying to put their register, the air conditioner register in the middle of a bedroom wall. And it was the only wall that her bed would fit against. And they were trying to put it right there in the same
4: spot. She's like, can they not put it to either side? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. Contractors definitely um, have different opinions because Mm -hmm. it's easier. Things are easier for them (laughs) Um, and things that work when it doesn't necessarily make the most sense for the homeowner. We do. We see that all the time. That's true. Hmm. So, and there are loans. And I, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot asking you about kind. I just was thinking that that is one loan that I didn't bring up at all. But we do have what we call rehab loans. There's a VA product and an FHA product where if the home is in pretty rough condition, let's say... They're asking a hundred thousand for the house, but once all of the repairs are made, the house will be worth one hundred and fifty thousand. And so then there's a number in between that they agree to loan you for you to get those repairs done. Now they have to be done by licensed contractor and done before you move in and kind of those things. So there's some stipulations there, but there is a way to get into a house that needs some work um, and and to be able yeah to be able to get in a to get in that house too with a loan. So I mean. There's really a lot, a lot of options out there. It really just depends on where someone is and kind of what you're looking for and what you need.
0: Yeah. Mm. Past me, say 10 years ago, me would have been cool buying a house that, oh, maybe I got to do some work after I move in. I'm not talking like a full reno or anything like that, but, you know, just certain things, you know, I can change out the bathroom. That sucks. And, you know, all of that junk. But current me has no desire to do any of that crap and just wants to move in to a ready done house maybe paint but otherwise i don't (laughs) i don't want to do anything and honestly uh, heather and her sister would probably paint it anyway and i wouldn't have to do that so
4: yeah well and we're seeing that honestly um there was a little while that people were a little more willing to put the work in and stuff in houses. And right now the houses that aren't ready to go, they're sitting longer. So move in ready. Um, they're definitely moving faster still. And I think part of it's because with prices up and rates up, people just, they have less money to do those extra things. So they're really looking for that house where they can come in and, and be done. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's, it's a shift in the market that we're seeing right now within the last six months, actually, that move-in ready is definitely more important than it was six, 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, is. So,
0: so why don't you take us through the popular thing that happens about, well, frequently on HGTV shows, the bidding war. How is oh. the real estate agent, do you go through the bidding war with your, uh, with your client? you know say the house is 200k and you're like yeah we should put in this offer of uh 195 but then you're like oh hey somebody put in the 200k and they're like I really want it so sort of take us through that uh process because maybe it doesn't happen all the time but I'm sure it does happen
4: yeah it is still happening I wish it wasn't but it is still happening the best houses still get multiple offers right now um and and what I do um I'm a numbers girl. So I, I, I always go back to my spreadsheets. I go back to the data and I'll look and we'll see um, in the last three months the houses in that neighborhood or the houses in that school district. Like we kind of break it down um, to something comparable, but we're going to look at how much over asking price those houses have been going for. And I'm going to come to my client with a real number. And I'm going to say, you know, I can't tell you what to win the house. I mean, I really don't know. Right. Um, right. They don't share. Some people share some information. Some don't share any. There's always it's a little different based on each listing agent. But I will come in with real numbers and I'll say, you know, the last five were ten thousand over asking in this neighborhood. Um, Move in ready, you know, best condition. They were ten thousand, or maybe they were three thousand over, whatever that number is. But I'm going to give you that number so you have it. And then the thing that I tell my clients, you know, it, it it's very personal, right? And you know, I guess in all of this, I've kind of talked about the numbers a lot in the process. But when you walk into a home that you fall in love with, like it really does become emotional. And I think that the house you pick, most people always have some kind of an emotional connection. And I can usually tell when we walk in the front door, it doesn't usually take very long before you can kind of see that maybe this one has kind of hit them different. Mm hmm. So the advice that I give everyone is you need to make the offer that you're going to be able to sleep with. So the one that's high enough that if you don't get it, you're not going to be mad at yourself for not bidding another thousand dollars or two thousand dollars. But also that if you do get it, you're going to be able to sleep at night with what you paid and with the payment.
1: Yeah, because there's there's nothing sadder than getting your house and you can only afford to put like. A mattress in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you you overspend on the house, and it's baloney for the next five years.
1: Yeah, baloney and ramen noodles, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, indeed. Yeah, so, got, no, oh, go ahead, Kenia.
1: No, I was saying, like, I I see that when I was a big fan of House Hunters, which always was was funny to me because they'd be like, you know, here's here's Pat and Jim, and Pat's a basket weaver, and <laughs> Jim files books at the local library and they have a budget of 2.5 million. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> like Summer just- makes labels for hand spun honey,
1: you know, yeah. or, you know, Bob is a dog walker <laughs> or some, some bizarro occupation. But I, I see what you were talking about, Amy, like you'll see the people going to a house and you know, that's the one. Cause will be like, and, it, and they can, some of them will go through the whole house and just be nodding, nodding. And then they like, They go in the backyard and they're like barbecues, and that's the house. Yeah, it's like it's the weirdest things they fall in love with in in certain houses. I just laugh. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe I'll get there one day. But I I think it's I think it's it's funny to watch the the realization come over their face. Like this, the one, the one happens.
4: Those shows are also funny because it's like, here's A, B, and C, and pick mm. from your options. And I'm like, I haven't sold many people a house only looking at three houses. Yeah, <laughs> you <know? Right>. like
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> We usually look longer than that. <laughs> and
1: I'm, I'm, I'm literally sitting here like saying, go with B. Go with B. Yeah. It, had the, it had the
4: walk-in master closet. Go. <laughs> and yeah. I, I never pick the right one on those shows. I, I never, never pick either. what they pick.
0: <laughs> I yeah. never do either. Um, I'll, I'll watch love it or list it. Cause I like the real estate guy. I think he's funny. Cause I love how I'll turn and talk to the camera. If at every time they'll feel like, we're going to love it. And I'm like, y'all totally made the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. The other house was much better for your situation. And you totally, you're going to regret that in two years.
2: Mm-hmm. You're
0: going to wish you picked that other house. <laughs> but my theory is people don't want to move. And if what's your face can give them like 75% of what they wanted because people don't want to move, they're just going to stay.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, I will tell you too, I'm trying to sign how to phrase this, that if you, um, if I asked you right now, what is most important in a new home for you? And then what are the things you want? Right? So kind of non-negotiables, what do we have to have? And then what do we want? And then that helps me, right? We're not going to get all of both lists, probably, especially in this crazy low inventory market. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it gives me a place to play. It helps me work with you. But that initial list that you give me, I'm going to tell you that that list changes probably 10 times before we get to the final house. Sometimes it just changes after the first visit and they're like, yeah, blow all that up. You know, like (laughs) that's not most important. Mm
2: -hmm. Sometimes
4: it's because husband and wife haven't agreed, right? They haven't really laid it out between them. Like what are non-negotiables and then what do we want? Um, and sometimes also it's once you start looking and you kind of see what's out there, it kind of changes things. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I think on that love it or list it, that that's what happens is like, they just realize that maybe some of the things they were making such a big deal about aren't quite as important as what they thought. And then other times I think it's because the other spouse won.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, obviously some of it's played up for TV,
4: Yeah, you know, but
0: yeah, um, sort of, I have another friend that's a real estate agent and during the pandemic, um, when he would show homes, he'd turn to him and say, Now, can you imagine yourself being quarantined in this house for several months?
1: <laughs>
0: and I thought, that's a good selling point.
1: <laughs> it is. I'd, I'd still use that now if I was selling homes. Well, yeah. <laughs> feel free to
0: use that one, Amy.
4: <laughs> well, yeah. Now it's something that we kind of have to consider. You yeah. know, like we never thought that was going to happen. And now it did. And now it's not out of the realm of possibility of happening again. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we saw that. Like everyone wanted land because they realized when you keep your kids home all the time and your family home, you don't go anywhere else. You really need to spread out. Um, We also learned that some people, you know, I'm not a big fan of the open concept that everybody else loves. I'm not either. We saw some of that during um, COVID, too, that people are like, oh, I need some walls in this house, (laughs) you know, for all doing working from home and doing school from home. Like I need to divide people up. Um so we definitely uh covid I mean we saw besides demand shifting big but we def- we definitely saw what people wanted and were looking for in a house definitely shifted.
1: Mm yeah and I was I was going to ask you about what you thought about the open concept because I hate catchphrases and that's all you heard on the show open concept like do you even know what that really means people like seriously do you know what open concept is
0: the problem is no one considers that their kids are going to turn into teenagers. And when they do, you don't want open concept.
4: No. Well, and it's nice to be able to see the living room from the kitchen, but you don't really want that all open because it's just loud. It's just noisy. You holidays, you know, I mean... It just gets kind of messy. So it is nice to have it big enough that it feels like room, right? Like, I think that's what everyone wants with the open concept. You just want to feel like you have more room. You want to feel like you have the space.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but it, it does need to be, it needs to be somewhat limited in my mind. Yeah, I can, I can, I can get with that. Yeah. I can get with that. So mm-hmm. let
1: me, add, let me shift a little, um, if I can. Have you, how do I say this? Where do you, where's your, your, so-called territory where do you spend most of your time uh selling out of what area
4: so we're licensed to sell the whole state um but i do uh, oklahoma city metro is really my area but i do i live east so midwest city choctaw Hara is probably it those three smaller areas are probably at least half of my sales Mm-hmm. Um, Yukon has been really popular for us too. We're spending a lot of time. UConn just has more inventory right now than a lot of other places. So, you know, I'm all over, I've gone an hour and a half in almost every direction to sell. Also, depending on who needs what, um, for a long time, I really kind of got into land and rural properties. I sold a ton of rural properties for a few years in there, but, um, yeah, I live in Choctaw grew up in Midwest city. So those are, those are my backyard. That's, If you really had, if I had to say my area, that's what I'd call my area. So
1: being familiar then with those, those particular areas, I guess you get to know like the ordinances and how things are done in those areas. Have you ever run into, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm calling the right thing, neighborhood covenants. Yeah. Have there been any interesting ones?
4: (laughs) (laughs) They're all interesting, but yeah. Okay. So we have, let me kind of break it out just a little bit. So we do have what you would call covenants and restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are things, um, our term is they're filed of record. So when I talked earlier about you having that abstract that everyone that's ever owned that property, all of your covenants and restrictions are filed in that same book. So mm-hmm. once they're filed, they are there forever. Mm-hmm. And then we have kind of the new side of that is our homeowners associations. And then those are neighborhood driven, not city driven. Um, A little
0: authoritarians.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. And some are fine. I mean, honestly, for some places, they, um, they help keep your property values up. Um, but some of them are, um, ooh, I don't know if I almost said Nazis, but I don't know if that was the right word I should have <laughs> used, but they, um, they are definitely too involved. Um, and they like, if the name, if HOA president doesn't have a job, then that's their job. And I would say run, um, (laughs) but for the most part, HOAs don't have to be awful. Now back to your original question on covenants and restrictions. Yes. I've seen horrifying covenants and restrictions. Um, and we have to send, when those are filed of record, we send them to the buyers. They need to be able to read them and review them ahead of time. Um, so there's actually, The Realtor Association in Oklahoma, we've been working the last two years um, pretty hard, and I actually can't tell you if it got passed this year or not, but we've been um, writing legislation, trying to get legislation passed that anything that is um, racist or discriminatory or anything that we find in those, that like they don't even have to go back through and like line by line take them out, that it's just anything that meets those requirements are no longer valid, that they're null and void. Um, so yeah, there's some, there's some pretty horrifying things that you can find in those old ones. Cause, yeah. um, I remember reading about it a while back and I think, I think we might've mentioned on,
1: on a previous episode, um, I can't remember which one it was. It was like one of our early episodes. We were talking about that and how some States or some, you know, towns and cities across the country have, uh processes that the people they they literally have to jump through flaming hoops to get those things removed from you know the wording of the property even though it's not enforceable just the fact that it's there you know it's the principle of it of it being there and they make the, the local government makes these people go through hoops just to get it off yeah i'm like how how does that have to be hard considering the legacy of what
4: those were intended to do how does that have to be hard well, and, and honestly, for me, this is probably a whole nother podcast, but it, <laughs> it goes much deeper too. So, you know, when we talk about systemic racism in America, the housing industry is rife with it. And, um, we've done a ton of stuff to make it better, but you know, it's not, it's not just realtors, um, not wanting to sell to a certain person of color in a certain neighborhood, right? Like it's so much bigger than that. And, We had, um, you know, lenders that wouldn't loan to certain people in certain neighborhoods. You know, there was redlining, there was steering, and it went through the insurance agencies, too. I mean, like I just saw the other day on a national real estate forum where um, someone got denied insurance on a house because um, the crime rate was too high in that area. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, we can't do that. That is redlining. We can't. You can't break it out like that, you know, and I thought this is a national site and nobody was up in arms about it. And I thought, oh, my God, are we regressing because insurance has gotten so costly? They're looking to cut every way that they can right now. And I mean, Oklahoma is in a bit of a trouble with that just because of our weather. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you really did hit on something that it, it is a bigger issue um, and it goes pretty deep. I really haven't seen agents that I thought were really awful about um, who they want to sell to or where, mm. but just again, the stuff that's just, it just baked into it, the things that have just been part of the process forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. It, it's hard to see and it is still there.
2: Yeah. <clears throat>
1: yeah. I just, I didn't mean to make an necessarily go off the rails like that, but no. being in the line and the work you're in, I'm I'm sure you would have seen something like that because it's it's in more places I think than than, than people realize across more yeah. cities and towns than people realize. So, yeah. and I know there were I know there were quite a few what were called sundown towns yeah. in uh in Oklahoma as well. So
4: I have a client right now that won't buy in Yukon just because, and she's only lived in Oklahoma four or five years, but she, one of the first women that she met here told them about a sign that was in Yukon at some point that I didn't know anything about, Mm -hmm. but she's just like, and she knows that there's houses there she can afford. And, you know, but she's like, Amy, I just can't talk myself into it. And I'm like, I don't want you to talk yourself into a house. And the last thing I want anybody to do is live somewhere that they don't feel comfortable. You know, yeah. I hate that. That's what it is. And I hate why. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not here to make anybody live somewhere that they don't want to be. Yeah.
2: definitely.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
4: yeah, yeah it, it's hard. Those things are they're hard to hear and they're real. And, mm-hmm. you know, doorbell cameras. Now we have the ring cameras everywhere. Um, when I show houses, I tell everyone we don't talk specifics in a house. I don't want you to tell me you love the house. I don't want you to talk about an offer. I don't want any specifics because we have Alexas and there's all kinds of recording devices and everything else. I think 99% of people don't listen, but there are (laughs) the ones that do. And I know they do. Um, The ring doorbell cameras, because they can hear you at the street. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. And so those, those have definitely caused us the most issue. And, you know, in Oklahoma, only one person needs to know. So the homeowner can record you and it's totally legal. Um, So I just, I always caution my clients. Like we're real careful about what we say and don't say while we're Mm -hmm. there. Um, And I don't mind, you know, honestly, I think if the seller knows you love the house, I honestly think that helps you, right? Because it's not only just about getting the contract that's the most money or that meets your terms is best for you, but it's also about getting to the closing table. So when you know someone is crazy about your house, it helps you know, you feel more comfortable taking that offer. If you've got multiple offers, um, I find a lot of success when I kind of sell my people, you know, for whatever reason to the sellers. Um, And so, you know, there's some positives there. So I, I don't think that it like hurts your negotiating power and this or that, but there still are things. Or somebody said, you know, oh my God, I love this house, but I'm repainting every wall and this and that. And then, the seller didn't accept their offer because it hurt their feelings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know? I, I I guess the seller wants to, wants to know that whoever they're selling the house to cares about it as much as they did. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. It makes sense. And mm-hmm. I would probably be one of those people if I was selling a house, <laughs> You're like I'm I'm the bathroom. What? Take, <laughs> take that leave my house have a nice day the
0: <laughs> husband's like do you know how many hours I stood at Sherwin Williams <laughs> looking at paint samples Picket. for this <laughs> closet
2: <laughs> oh boy
1: but I yeah,
0: actually that- hadn't thought about the Alexa part and and stuff oh yeah. yeah I hadn't thought about that
1: I was watching um, some videos on the devil's rabbit hole aka TikTok and one of the videos, the woman was asking her Alexa a question. My Alexa heard it and answered it. I was like, what? the? <laughs> this is not cute. I don't like that. Yeah. But yeah, this is the age of surveillance. So
0: yeah, we use our Alexa for one cute. thing. It plays music for the dogs while we're at work. <laughs> my you dogs, my they love smooth jazz.
4: <laughs> That's funny. My Alexa's timers. Like, I don't know how to cook without Alexa because I'm like, pasta timer, 10 minutes, such and such timer, you know? <laughs> That's <laughs> all I use. And then what's the weather forecast? Every day I ask the weather yep, forecast. That That's too. all
1: I use Alexa for. <laughs> or if I'm I'm like running around the house trying to do something to get out the door and like, you know, I usually wear my Fitbit all the time. But let's say I have it off. I'm like, Alexa, time. She's like, 657. I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um, so
4: Alexa, can you give me 10 minutes
0: back please? basically right <laughs> uh, <Ray? laughs>
4: um
0: this- i oh <laughs> i was gonna say you know the what was that show with uh christina and what's his face they had the big one then they divorced and all of that junk there in california flipping the homes and doing all of that on HGTV. Mm-hmm. i at yeah. first i used to watch the show um but lately i'm kind of like you know I think they're kind of partially responsible for um, like the, the pricing in housing going up. Cause how many episodes would you watch? And they go at the end, what are we going to price it? Well, the comps are 500,000, but I'm going to price it at five I'm going to be really aggressive. And then they sell it for that. So what happens then now on the comps, there's this one way higher one. So the next person that comes in, they're like, Oh, I'm going to, price mine at 550. And then you do that enough. And then all of a sudden, you know, the prices of the houses have gone up by 200k. And it, it's just because someone was like on that show, well, I'm just going to price it high, because other people are going to do the same thing nationally, too. And now I'm well, like, I- those buttholes ruined it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it, I mean, that that's funny to think about. But wouldn't that kind of be mitigated by that part in the process where you said they? The the lenders have an appraiser come out and say, does this right. house fit the budget? Like you know, they're trying to sell it for you know three hundred and fifty, and then the appraiser comes out and like, no, this is like maybe two hundred, maybe. Look right. at this kitchen. So I mean, it may be something that something like that where you could get a neighborhood where the asking price or the comps start getting higher and higher, but it would only get like so much higher.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. That makes. So- sense. Is that about
4: accurate? Yeah, so you're right on that, but here, here's where the differences come in. Here's where appraisal doesn't fix it for you. So one is cash. Mm. So if somebody's buying a house for cash, they can pay whatever they want, and they still change comps, even if they didn't get a loan and didn't get an appraisal. Um, comps are based on the three most recent, most similar sales to the house we're comping, right? So if that house just went for 100000 more than anything else in the neighborhood, that just changed comps, even mm. if it was cash. Mm. Um, So then the other thing we saw during COVID is people knew, right? Like this house is listed at 350. I'm offering 370. I know it's not going to appraise for that. And so they would guarantee the difference. So if their appraisal came in low, they're saying, we will pay you cash for the difference. And that's what people were having to do to get the house. And so Mm, they were doing it. So Mm. there's a couple of things. So yes, I mean, so you're both really right. There's some nuances to it. But Jack, that story just made me think, and we can go back and like, if you really want me to make Zillow, and it wasn't just Zillow, it was several of them, but you want me to make the big real estate companies, um, the evil monster for you? During COVID, when inventory was so low, they were going into neighborhoods and they were buying houses a $100,000 right. over. And then they buy three in the same neighborhood. They just changed the comps for the whole neighborhood. So then they just changed the price on the houses they bought. So we're talking about big companies truly manipulating the pricing, sometimes in home markets, like they thought it was big in Phoenix. They really messed with the numbers in Phoenix. And that's one of the reasons when you talk about prices falling, prices aren't falling here, but some of the cities they are. And Phoenix is one that took a really hard hit. But Phoenix was super over-manipulated by the big real estate companies.
0: Mm, wow. Interesting. So
4: I wanna never you as an individual that. buyer, you can't you can't manipulate like that, right? But well no, of so. course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Wow. Um well I know that you had uh put together some numbers. Um I'm not sure if what type of numbers you had, but I would hate for you to put them together and not get to use them. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: there are just a few things that I kind of like to address because, you know, even my grandma, she calls me every day to tell me what real estate story she heard on the news. And, you know, <laughs> am I going to be able to feed my son? Because, you know, real estate is it's in horrible condition. Um, we might guess what news channel she watches, but we don't have to say that out loud. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, but one of the things like I just want people to know, first of all, real estate Pricing, everything about real estate is very local, right? And even hyper local. I would say that Midwest City and Choctaw are a very different market than Yukon versus Edmond or the others, even, right? Like Mm -hmm. it is super local. Um, And then, you know, people keep talking about, I think a lot of people are waiting to buy because they keep thinking prices are going to fall. And I wish prices would fall for home buyer, not for people that own homes, but right for these people that need to buy. Like I understand wanting that, but inventory is so low guys. And there is no, there's only two ways for inventory to increase, right? One, we build our way out of it, which we have a lot of new construction, but at the rate we're building new construction, they said it would take us 10 years to fix the supply issue at the rate we're going right now in new construction. So the only other way we get a bunch of inventory is foreclosures. Mm -hmm. So you both may have heard but we talk right now and like foreclosures are up 100 percent over last year. And there's had these really scary numbers about foreclosures. But what we have to remember is everyone was on moratoriums during COVID. So there were no foreclosures. So when we talk about 100 percent up, That doesn't count. Right. Mm -hmm. So I pulled stats just so I'd have real numbers for you. So one I found that was super interesting, so the peak of the foreclosures um, happened after the last crash, right after the 2006 crash and everything. So the worst year for foreclosures was 2010. And it was basically one point six million foreclosures in one year. Okay, 2023. Right now we are forecasted at 185,000 foreclosures. So we're talking about 11% of what 2010 was. If that gives you any kind of historical comparison, hmm. we are nowhere near having enough foreclosures to fix the supply issue. Okay. So I just, I, I want to tell people that because I want you to buckle down and save money. I want you to do what you need to do to get into a home. I don't want you waiting for the crash. Um, Because, and- I'm not an economist, but I I don't see it coming, right? Right. I just don't see how we fix the supply issue. Um, And then the other thing I did, just because I like for people to know too. So I look at stats at the end of every month and I compare them to the month before and I compare them to the same month from last year, just so I can see where we're tracking as a market. And so for our our, uh, multiple listing service, which is what we work out of. So I'm in the Oklahoma City metro one. So it goes pretty wide. It goes Shawnee, El Reno a little north of Guthrie and then even a little south of Norman. Right. So it's a pretty big mm-hmm. area. Right. Um. But for pricing, um, August of 2023, our average price was 255,000. August of 2022 was 250,000. So when people are saying prices are falling, they're not falling in Oklahoma yet. And I don't know that they will. Like I don't say yet as, you know, there's a lot of hope. Um. The other thing I say, and, a healthy market has five to six months worth of inventory, and I won't bore you with how we get that number, but five to six months is healthy. And right now, August of 2023, we had 2.8 months, and that is up from 1.8 last year. So inventory is easing slightly, um, but we're still average days on market. What would you guess? How long do you think a house is on the market before it gets a contract? Three days. Um, 40. <laughs> 40? 40. Okay. So August of 2022, it was six days. And mm. then in August of this year, it was 11. was so mm. Price
0: is right? I totally just won that.
4: <laughs> yeah, you did. But, I mean, yeah, like, you're right. Like 30 and 40 really is a healthy average. Yeah. Right? Okay. I mean, that's really where we would want to be. Um, so, I mean, it is, it's still a crazy market. So without getting too far down in that, I just kind of like people to know. Um, I just want to go... The things I hear that I think are concerning that I don't I don't think they give you enough nuance to and that the, you know, a normal person is not looking at this every day that you're not going to understand that those numbers, why they're so inflated. And so foreclosure is one that always bothers me. I'm screaming at the TV. That's not real. (laughs) Um, But then also the inventory thing. I just like people to kind of know so they understand.
0: This is going to make me sound crappy, but remember when the vaccine for COVID was coming out and all of the
4: the COVID.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> he knows where
0: I'm going.
2: The COVID so deniers were like huh? Well, no, they
0: they were saying the vaccine's gonna kill people. And I was like, the boomers are getting the vaccine in the highest rates, the boomers own the most houses in the United States percentage-wise. So if the vaccine is gonna start killing them in a year, there's gonna be a housing market crash from all of those boomers dying from their COVID vaccine. And all those people were wrong. Didn't even happen. <laughs> you know it would have been so so nice all of a sudden because you would have got your eight months worth of market of uh, inventory
1: and then some
0: (laughs) then it turned out that oh no the vaccine wasn't killing people in a year jerks (laughs) that was sarcasm folks
4: (laughs) I have so many thoughts about all of that but yes yes (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
4: yeah so here's another one so what do we always hear millennials that they can't be homeowners because they spend too much money on avocado toast and you know right. like millennials get such a bad rap, but I think we all do. Maybe all generations get a bad rap when we're younger. Um, but something that was interesting that I just read today is um, more millennials own homes than don't own homes now. During COVID, they went over that fifty-one percent. So oh wow, yeah, I hmm. thought that was also good news. I thought that was pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, that is. Yeah. That is. Yeah, that's great. It is, it is. It's, it's encouraging news. Yeah. It's yeah. encouraging news.
4: So, yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely is. And I actually appreciate millennials because they're the reason that carpeting and hardwood went away and hardwood floors came back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hardwood floors, except for bedrooms, hardwood floors are the superior flooring option.
1: So, is our generation the reason why we went to a lower pile carpet and got away from shag?
0: No. Once again, that was Boomers.
1: No, the boomers had the shag. They loved the shag.
0: Oh, well, that's true. Uh, Well, I just meant carpet.
1: (laughs) We made them give it up and go to that low pile carpet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It just made me remember when uh, I was a kid, I had a blue shag carpet in my bedroom at one point.
4: You
0: did. did. (laughs) I did. Mm
4: -hmm. (laughs) I don't remember shag carpet, but I remember paneling. Oh,
0: Oh, yeah.
4: Our houses were so dark.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They'll always show the, you know, the. The stuff of the 80s and they have like all these like bright, crazy colored rooms. And I'm like, no, our houses were freaking wood paneling because we all lived in houses that were built in the 70s.
1: And you had the you had that weird little half wall with the wooden spindles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what is what what design thought was that based on? What was that? <laughs> Me personally, I always wanted those bat wing doors. For my kitchen. Oh,
0: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Saloon, doors. yeah. <laughs> saloon doors, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saloon doors.
4: Yeah, grandma yeah. has those, and you go through them too fast, they smack the person behind you when they swing back.
0: See,
4: nice. Got to
0: got to wear a construction hat when you go through a football helmet. <laughs>
1: mm
4: hmm. Just <laughs> be first one through. <laughs> right. So. Um,
0: oh, go ahead, Kenya.
1: Real quick, uh, one of the things I've always heard was that. The bathroom in the kitchen, if you, upgra- if you update or upgrade them, that makes a huge amount of difference in the value of the house. Is that true?
4: It is. I'm I said like- that's the best place to put your money, um, bathroom or kitchen. And not necessarily full like gut jobs and full remodels. But yes, if you can make your bathroom and kitchen look pretty, um, it's definitely better for you. And the other one that I would say, not even fancy la- landscaping or anything, but curb appeal really is important. Mm, First yeah. impression okay. really, really does matter. Mm, that makes mm-hmm. sense. That makes yeah,
0: sense. it definitely does. You could, if you pull up to a house and there's a couch on the front porch, mm-hmm. kind of might make you think. You know, I don't know if I want to go in.
4: Or on your neighbor's front porch. Or that that matters too. Either Yeah,
0: or. yeah, that's also true. Also true. Um, well, Amy, you're not going to believe this, but we've actually now been recording for over an hour.
4: Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think it's always a long time when i'm on jack i'm sorry oh oh no this is
1: our usual (laughs) this is our usual so you're
2: fine
1: you're
0: fine there (laughs) there have been times where kenyatta and i were like we're gonna we're gonna make sure we keep it around that 60 minute mark and in an hour and a half we're like oh shnikes we went over a little bit (laughs) so uh um i was gonna say though since we have sort of reached uh where we need to wrap things up, is there anything else that you would like to um you know say any type of advice, anything like that um you know where can somebody find you if they're in Oklahoma and they would like somebody who is clearly very- a very passionate, knowledgeable about the job that they do and puts a lot into it? Where could a they get a hold of you and you know that type stuff. Yes.
4: Yeah, so um, I have a a pretty big presence on Facebook. It's usually kind of one of the easier places for people to find me. So Amy Taylor on Facebook. There's a personal and a um, real estate page there. And um, I can I share my number?
0: I mean, if you feel comfortable, I'm not going to stop you. It's up to you.
4: (laughs) Yeah, my my number's on everything, so it's okay. So um, I still have my Tulsa area code, though, but I'm 812 four, seven, three, three. Um, so absolutely call me, find me on Facebook and message me. Um, I'm on messenger all the time too. That's how you and I always communicate Jack, but, um, you know, my advice is don't think that you can't buy a house. Don't guess how far away you are. Don't wonder, like make the call call me. Let's get you with a really good lender. We don't have to pull credit. We don't have to do a full application. We don't have to go through any huge steps to just find out where you are. Um, I have a couple that I work with that I love. Um, one in particular, she is just as passionate as I am about people getting the house. And she's worked with people for two years, if that's what it's taken to get them ready. And she mm-hmm. is dedicated to do it. Um, it's why I use her all the time. And so I, you know, let's if you want to buy, then give us a call and let us help. Let us figure out where you are and what we can do to get you ready. Um, you may be closer than you think you are, so just just don't wonder. Make the call. Um, and there's no real estate agents. Like we didn't talk about this at all, but we get paid at closing, right? right. So. When we sign a listing agreement, the seller agrees to a percentage that they pay the listing agent, and then that listing agent agrees to a percentage that they're going to pay the buyer's agent for bringing the buyer, okay? So I'm not going to say it doesn't cost you money as a buyer to use a real estate agent, but it's already factored in. So whether you use one or not doesn't save you any money, okay? It's already in the contract that was signed that doesn't have anything to do with the contract you signed on the house. So as a buyer, there's no reason not to use an agent. Um, And again, you know, you got to use someone that you like and that you trust. Um, There's a lot of different people specialize in different things. And if I'm not the one for you, I can help point you to who is or whatever, um, or help you find the right agent. Um, But yeah, just just tell everybody, make the call. Don't wait. And don't start looking at houses in person until you know what you can afford. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're looking at $250,000 houses and then you find out your budget's 175 dollars you are never going to be happy with the 175 dollars when you were looking at 250
2: dollars Right.
4: So it's not about wasting time for me or anything else. It is truly about breaking your heart. So let's get the real numbers and then let's go find a house. That makes perfect sense.
0: Yes. Yes, it does. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of a Thursday night to come on and talk about this stuff. It was very informative. It's, it's one of the most common things in America and probably one of the things that most Americans know the least about. Mm-hmm. Even though you watch HGTV and you think you might know everything, you don't know anything from that. They don't really go through any of the details. So um, it was very informative, and I really appreciate you coming on.
4: I do, too. Thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. Again, I really appreciate you guys having me and uh, always giving me a platform to talk. It's fun for me, so especially <laughs> when it's something that I'm passionate.
2: <laughs>
1: I can so. I can
4: honestly say that all the guests that
1: we've had, every single one of them has been engaging on on some level or another. So it was great having you on, and they're they're they. I think they've all been passionate about whatever it is specifically they've been talking about. So and you're yeah. you're no different, and I love that. I absolutely love it. So thank you very much, Amy. Yeah, yes. Yes.
0: I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, with that, I guess I'm going to go ahead and sign off. If you love what we're doing and you would like to help us out, please go to buymeacoffee.com black slash hyperfocus pods. Did I say black slash or backslash? Oh my gosh. Mm. What's wrong with me? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I just invented a new type of.
4: Slash.
0: Yeah. Slash. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> back slash hyperfocus pods, and uh, any assistance that you would want to give would be lovely. And Kenyatta and I would certainly appreciate it. And um, with that, I am going to say bye.
1: And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and
4: hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment.